Hark the bardic paladin Who sings and plays again He tells the tales of glory And weaves a magic story He'll join you at your table And ask you to share a fable Heroes of humble origin Villains who must be fought again No matter their skill or prowess The people in life are countless so we pray you heed our request. Enjoy this tale of sidekicks and sidequests. Episode 65 Jasper the Frog Errant. Welcome to Sidekicks and Sidequests the Dungeons & Dragons podcast that helps to put humans back into humanity and breathe life into your campaign NPCs with backstory and bravado. That's right, we're building a world, one character at a time. I am your host, Kurt Krenwelge, the Bardic Paladin, and I'll be joining Alexi Sargent's table in the Levitating Platter. <laughs> Hello everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Sidekicks and SideQuests, the best unofficial Dungeons & Dragons podcast, in my humbly biased opinion. I've got another awesome guest lined up for you, uh, but before we introduce our guest of the show, we want to give a shout out to our first sponsor, Plus One EXP. Tony Vicinda is the mastermind behind this mastercraft of Beard Balm's game design and community building. He's got beard balms named after all the basic stats from D&D. So get a bottle, apply it to your facial features, and smell the sweet aroma and the sweet victory that comes along with increased strength, dexterity, charisma, and more. Beards and Beyond is the indie RPG that helped to launch his brand, but Tony has collaborated and developed several other projects, including Repugnant with Terrible Games, iToaster, a brave little toaster-inspired tabletop role-playing game, and Down We Go, a game which seeks to capture the heart of old school tabletop gaming. If you support Plus One EXP, either by buying something from them or supporting them on Patreon and the like, it all helps funnel into the Plus One Forward program, which seeks to support additional indie tabletop content creators to continue making awesome stuff. Would encourage you to follow Tony and Plus One EXP on all the various social platforms, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, in order to keep up with all the various projects that he's working on, as well as upcoming interviews, one-shots, and actual plays of some of these very quirky and cool games. And if you don't mind, head on over to plus1exp.com, use my affiliate code Randolph when you're buying a beard balm or a game in order to save some savings on your purchase at no extra cost to you. Again, the code's Randolph at checkout on the website plus1exp.com. Let me concur with that, actually. Oh, there we go. Yeah, Tony yes. Vicinda is good people, and plus1exp has been a big support to the whole indie games community and to some projects of mine in particular you can check uh check out plus one exp's youtube channel to see a video of me running my game autumn triduum with tony and others there we go well since you segued into it beautifully hello mystery guest would you care to introduce yourself and tell us what it is that you do absolutely so i am alexi Sargent. i do many things uh by day, I uh, I write and I edit. You may have seen my writing crop up in publications like First Things, uh, The New Atlantis, 
the Weekly Standard back in the day. And uh, I also do game design. So I have been making independent role-playing games uh, like The Great Soul Train Robbery, a game about desperados robbing the train to hell, and Back Again from the Broken Land, a Tolkien-esque game about small adventurers sharing stories on the way home from an epic war. And all of that game design happens under the label Cloven Pine Games. So check out Cloven Pine Games on Twitter and on itch.io to follow my gaming endeavors. And spoiler alert, podcast listeners, I am one of the Kickstarter backers on Back Again from the Broken Lands. And uh, I am excited to be able to get my copy of it soon. It looks uh, very cool. Uh, I watched for a little bit a video uh, that y'all put up. Uh, your your wife, Leah, was running the game for several other people. And so it was very cool. I didn't get to get very far into it, but it was very interesting starting off, like, the premise of uh, the game. How about it's probably best come from one of the creators of the game if you'd like to kind of give us a a peek and a hint at what exactly goes on in Back Again from the Broken Lands. Yeah, so Back Again from the Broken Land is about being uh, these small adventurers who have played a humble but important role in the downfall of the Doomslord, and now you are making your way home, you know, trekking back across this land, uh, sharing your stories, reckoning with your burdens, sharing meals, uh, negotiating obstacles it's a you know travelogue at the end of a great fantasy quest where you retrospectively add in details of the epic adventure that has come before uh, and you also have to occasionally run or hide from the doomslord's hunters who are still out there and vengeful uh, but you know largely it's a game about exploring some of the you know more meditative and melancholic emotions of a work like the lord of the rings or the hobbit that aren't necessarily brought to the fore in other fantasy games. We wanted to focus on how your characters really are very little adventurers compared to the scale of the world, how they are carrying this emotional baggage they have to reckon with from the role they've played in the war against the Doomslord. Awesome. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's definitely cool. It's kind of like in the spirit of this show where we focus on, you know, smaller characters, sidekicks, NPCs. And so this game is like, Oh, well, here, now we're going to follow the NPCs as they're making their way back home. Hopefully, well, it seems like uh, the heroes don't always get home. Has there ever been a game that you've run where, like, the heroes actually survive? Or is it that, no, the hunters are supposed to claim our protagonists one by one? Mm, Usually, I see most people get home. Um, The hunters are there as a threat and just kind of to emphasize that uh, you can't really fight things in this world, right? Like when the hunters oh. turn up, you can you can run or you can hide, or and if you make a desperate stand, you're going to be telling the you know the end of your character's story with a story of doom. But usually that exists kind of as a a threat over the characters, and you know the uh, uh, the epilogues have often involved the you know whole group of adventurers returning to the hometown and trying to find a way to fit back into it. Sometimes we've had you know a heroic sacrifice along the way but uh, Mm. usually it hasn't been a TPK. Okay, good to know. And then I know some of those other games you were mentioning, since I know we're just a little bit past uh, Halloween, All Souls and All Saints days. Um, So you were talking about the Great Train robbery. So someone who plays video games like Red Dead Redemption, this kind of sounds like something that might have appeared out of, say, like the, uh, the Undead Nightmare DLC or something like that. So you're 
you're desperados, you're train bandits, train robbers, and you you're rescuing souls, you're stealing souls. What what exactly goes into that game? You're stealing something from the train to hell, and uh, the GM is supposed to roll dice to pick out what your prize is aboard the train. It could be a particular soul you're trying to rescue. It could just be you know the greatest gold bullion score in history, or it could mm. be a song so pure the devil couldn't let humanity have it. Right. So it, there's just some wow. fabulous prize aboard the train that is worth you know risking the perils of the train to hell to claim uh it is a game that you know has elements of allegory and elements of weird west action and it's been a lot of fun to get to develop that and put it out there for folks okay and then the last one you know in the ambience of spookiness and i think tony actually did a a live one-shot actual play of this game of yours autumn triduum you said nuns fighting evil correct what what, what more what more do you need to tell us to sell us on this uh, so this is a game about religious sisters confronting the forces of darkness from All Hallows' Eve to All Souls' Day. So yes, you get to play as members of this convent who are uh, investigating spooky happenings and then gathering together to thwart the uh, machinations of the devil in order to uh, deliver their sisters and themselves from the shadow of evil. That's pretty cool. It's fun. I mean, yeah, for you know my listeners out there who may or may not be Catholic, you know, nuns are real. They are for sure serious. They're your friends, but, you know, they're also our mamas out there. You know, they're not going to let the devil get the best of us. So being able to role play, being, uh, you know, a religious sister, getting to confront that on such a culture would say spooky, but we would say maybe the more somber and serious and uh, contemplative season, perhaps, of the year. Yeah, it's definitely a game that is about, you know, diving into the, uh, you know, the seasonal and uh, religious meanings of All Hallows' Eve, All Saints' Day, and All Souls' Day. Awesome. Well, I think it's a, easily a softball question, but do you currently or have you ever played Dungeons & Dragons before? Uh, I play and run a lot of role-playing games. I have only uh, done a little of that in Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, so my experience of, of D&D is uh, playing a little with my brother, who's a big fan. Uh, and playing a little uh, play-by-post game with a friend who was uh, was running some uh, some D and D kind of with a setting heavily inspired by uh, John Harper's Blades in the Dark, actually, but with D and D mechanics. Uh, so uh, so I've got a little taste of you know of the granddaddy of role-playing games, but I actually came into the hobby through indie games um, through running things like Dread which is a, a horror game you play where the mechanic is a Jenga tower, right? So as mm. the story unfolds, you pull blocks from the tower, and if you cause the tower to collapse, that is the end of the line for your character. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it gets it's, it's a role-playing game, right? Like, you've built a character, you're playing out this horror scenario, but instead of rolling dice, everything is about this increasingly precarious tower. Uh, and that's... Uh, been a fun game to to run you know usually as a one shot often around halloween to uh to get people in a kind of you know spooky exciting uh, rpg mood um you know we, we mentioned a couple of the games i've designed i guess i should shout out one or two more of the games i play the most i love masks the superhero rpg from magpie games that's a 
game that's powered by the apocalypse. Uh, uh, that's sort of a lineage of uh, of games uh, in a similar with a similar design philosophy. And Masks is specifically about a team of young superheroes finding their place in the world and figuring out how they can measure up to the adult heroes of their universe. Uh, I ran a campaign of Masks that lasted for more than a year, which was a lot of fun. Who else should I give shout outs to? Um, <laughs> currently, I'm in a in-person campaign of Tales from the Low Cantrefs, uh, which is a coming-of-age hearth fantasy game where you play the young people of a little village uh, in the midst of uh, this kind of low fantasy landscape, right? You know, uh, based on things like Lloyd Alexander's Chronicles of Prydain and uh, uh, Garth Nix's Old Kingdom trilogy. Uh, so you're in this village, you know, ruled by by folklore and old traditions, uh, and there's adults who just don't understand, and you, the young people, are going to confront some mundane and magical troubles and learn things about yourself along the way. Uh, so that's another uh, kind of excellent little game powered by the apocalypse. It's created by Luke Jordan of Games from the Wildwood. Excellent. A lot of those sound real fun. Be super cool to try them out sometime for sure. Uh, well, based on all these various games that you've played, uh, I'm sure this should maybe be a difficult question, but do you happen to have a favorite NPC or sidekick character from RPG games or video games or film, television, literature, etc.? And why would you say they are your favorite NPC sidekick? This is a fascinating question, right? I especially like the the implication that some characters in film and literature are NPCs as opposed to PCs. And, and I, but I think that's accurate, right? Like I can watch a movie and say like, okay, these are the PCs, these are the NPCs. You know, <laughs> that dynamic can translate between media. Interesting bringing language from games to other media when often we are bringing language from other media to games. Like when we're sitting around a table talking about our fantasy characters and sway okay we have an establishing shot showing the castle and the characters approaching it like using that cinematic language uh mm -hmm. it's fun to reverse that uh, but this is all to avoid actually having to make a choice uh <laughs> i think i'm going to pick someone from the long-running masks campaign i discussed because since i was gming that game the npcs were my characters in that right and so i mm -hmm. definitely had you know a number of favorites from that you know uh, my players might say their favorite was the Time Sloth, which was a sloth that could slow down time. Uh, it lived in the zoo of our superhero city, uh, <laughs> and it you know it mostly just you know hung out in its enclosure, slowing down time. But since one of the characters had promised his you know alien overlords that he would acquire the Time Sloth for them, it became a kind of major you know, force of their campaign because as he kept not quite managing to acquire the time sloth, he kept, you know, rack racking up consequences for not delivering the time sloth to his uh, his extraplanetary overseers yet. Okay. But the time sloth is not my favorite. The time sloth just, you know, became a meme where my, my players, <laughs> like, made me a t-shirt with the time sloth on it and everything. That's um, cool. I'm going to say my favorite was Kevin McGuire, uh, who was the next door neighbor of one of the PCs and the like secret keeper for that PC, the one who knew his secret identity uh, and then became kind of the like sidekick to the whole team, right? Where uh, he was the one who, you know, helped create their superhero costumes. He was the one who you know sat in the chair and like coordinated them sometimes when they're off on their missions. He made a little drone to fly around and, you know, follow them and, you know, drop helpful items for them. 
uh, it was so it was great because he, he he was very much you know uh, my way of kind of contributing to what they were doing through this NPC, right? Mm-hmm. But I, but he never like stole the spotlight so much because he didn't have any superpowers. Uh, he was uh, he was definitely less you know less skilled in many ways than the other PCs, uh, but everyone loved him, right? You know, people sure. uh, people got very into Kevin uh, and uh, and you know his kind of desire to be a a kind of full member of the team uh, you know was was ultimately uh, gratified, right? Like you know yeah. people didn't didn't kind of like push him out of the clubhouse. Uh, they were cool with you know Kevin uh, being part of their superhero team, the Salvatores. Um, yeah. and, integral uh, to their yes. operation oh yeah 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 a linchpin absolutely <laughs> uh, he had an obsession with medieval knights uh, hence naming his drone the sky squire that's cool yes alright and to go along with the rest of the theme of our show do you happen to have a favorite side quest from an RPG a video game film television literature B plots and whatever etc and why has it been one of your favorite side quests yeah, um, I think I'm going to keep the theme going here. So uh, there came a session in this Masks campaign uh, where uh, not all of the players could come, where the uh, the main team of superheroes were out of commission. Uh, mm. And so uh, we we changed things up uh, and we had a, you know, a B team stepping in. So with the with the Salvatore's out of commission, uh, Kevin got promoted from NPC to player character, and everybody else picked out other like you know NPCs from around the universe that we had encountered, you know siblings of established characters, you know uh, uh, semi reformed villains that could be persuaded to uh, to join on this team, right? And we put together a, the the B team of Salvatore's uh, who who had to you know first rescue the Salvatore's and then you know follow up with a little mission of their own. Uh, and uh, I think that was great. I think uh, this is a great model for what a side quest can be in an RPG campaign, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like you know, in a session where you don't have the same cast as usual, you can really embrace that and let NPCs have a chance to shine as PCs. You know, whether they're rescuing the PCs from a uh, uh, an alien city uh, floating uh, above the you know home metropolis, or whether they're trying to uh, deal with a superpowered drug that's hit the streets uh, that's, you know, flying under the radar of the bigger superheroes. Uh, it is fun to get the chance to put NPCs through their paces here. That sounds amazing. One of my players uh, was excited to pick up the baton and, and be Kevin. You know, we kind of consult her a little on kind of, you know, what what Kevin's deal would be when he was actually, you know, in the field acting as a superhero. Sure, yeah. I get it. So maybe combat training or something like that. He actually just kind of whipped out, you know, more gadgets that he'd been tinkering away at in his spare time. Okay. So kind of like a Green Hornet situation, I suppose. Yeah, totally. And then uh, the final question here to conclude the personal interview section, what are you passionate about and why? <laughs> just uh, just really uh, get into the heart of things with these questions. Mm-hmm. You know, I... I think what I'll say here is I am, you know, passionate about finding things of value in popular culture. Uh, you know, I think if you go back and look at some of my my writing for the venues I mentioned above, I'm often the person who's saying, you know, there is something good to be found here, right? When I whether I'm reviewing a 
uh, a superhero film or a Broadway musical uh, or you know, delving into another cultural artifact, uh, I'm interested in finding what is good, true, and beautiful uh, about this you know, aspect of popular culture. You know, not that I you know, never panned something. You, know, you can look up my Rise of Skywalker review if you uh, want to see what happens when I'm you know, really quite disappointed in uh, a piece of media. But I often am, am interested in uh, sussing out, you know, what is what is good, what is spiritually enriching, what is kind of you know, worth holding up for for emulation or contemplation, you know, in the uh, the artifacts of you know fantasy and science fiction and superhero dumb and you know other kind of popular cultural phenomena. Awesome. Well, now that we've had an opportunity to learn more about Alexi, I think it's time we head into some NPC creation. This is the part of the show where we get to make up an NPC. And in discussing with Mr. Sargent uh, before we started rolling, he has an idea for a character that we're going to slowly, bit by bit, unveil here now in this section. Am I correct? Yeah, I, I think so. Okay. Well, the first question we have here then is, what is the character's name? His name is Jasper. And what is the ancestry of this character? What's race, species? Yeah, Jasper is a talking frog, um, and like a, a frog-sized talking frog. We were discussing off-air the apparently multiple different frog-like humanoid races of the Dungeons & Dragons, and he's not one of those. He is the size of a normal frog that you would encounter in the forest, say. So he's a tiny creature then, basically. Oh yes, a tiny, tiny frog creature. But he like he can he can like you know rise up onto to two legs when he wants to. Awesome. And what is the job or role in society for this character? Uh, he he thinks of himself as a knight errant, wandering the world, righting wrongs. Um, he it's it's possible no no one agrees with him, right? You know, but but he takes it very seriously that as a you know a frog with with a sword and a, a vision of justice, he needs to be slaying monsters and bringing right uh, to the world. So one could say he's a Arthurian amphibian. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> awesome. All right. And uh, when we picture Jasper, uh, this miniature knight uh, that is uh, a frog, could you describe the physical appearance? When we're going to meet Jasper, what are we going to see? Uh, he's got green skin. He's got you know, like kind of bulging orange eyes. He's wearing little like scraps of leather and metal armor he's pulled together, you know, and, and a little red cape he's found. He'll do that frog thing where, you know, sometimes while he's talking, his tongue will just like come out and just like lick his own eyes because that's how, that's how frogs blink, I think. And he like does the, the throat bulge when he's croaking and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's an intimidation tactic. Oh, intimidation. Perfect. See, you're painting this picture already. And uh, even though I haven't finished it, I'm already kind of getting some like red wall vibes. Uh, oh, totally. Jasper. Yeah. yeah. Though, of course, he's interacting with characters who are full Much size. Much larger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rather than fellow, you know, fellow woodland creature sized uh animals i think although talking about uh you know one shots and uh you know uh, indie sorts of games it would be very fun and very easily doable to probably take jasper into a red wall type setting okay i've interacted with 
orcs and elves and dwarves and stuff. But now I'm going to take that knowledge to the small animal level and then away from the prying eyes of all the humans and stuff, we can see, you know, like whole societies on the microcosm level of, of the feudal world. Uh, within the animal kingdom or something. Totally, totally. I mean, there's um, there's a board game called Root that has this feeling to it, and Magpie Games is creating a RPG adaptation of that. So Root the RPG is a good place to look if you're excited for this Redwall-esque uh, fix. Awesome. And then uh, what three adjectives would you use to describe Jasper? Yeah, I think uh, gallant, uh, overconfident, and grandiloquent would have to be the three adjectives here. Okay, this is the first time that I've had to ask a guest, uh, could you define that last word? Oh, sure. Grandiloquent? Yes. I've never heard that word before. It's, you know, speaking with kind of extravagant, over-the-top language, um, especially in a way that is intended to be impressive. Uh, so, a, you know, a grandiloquent pronouncement is one with lots of big words in it, and a grandiloquent frog uh, is one that, you know, just just has this very like, you know, bombastic, elevated speaking style. Okay. So see, I know when you started describing it, the one word that I remember from school that came to mind was superfluous. Hmm. But I like grandiloquent. It pretty much describes what its definition is. So <laughs> yes. That's yes. pretty cool. As a word, it does. It is also a somewhat grandiloquent uh, choice of a <laughs> uh, uh, bit of diction. Yeah, absolutely. All right, and for Jasper, what is a valuable item? Maybe a piece of lore, a secret, or if none of those things, what's an ideal or concept that Jasper ascribes to? Um, I mean, the ideal is your know, knighthood, right? Traveling, walking the earth, and setting right what is wrong. Uh, but I, I will say he has something, some valuable item with him because I think he has a little clever little cap with a feather in it, uh, and the feather is a. Uh, token of favor from the birds of the forest uh, and all birds anywhere will uh, will recognize this feather as you know kind of entitling the bearer to their deference and perhaps their assistance and probably safety as well the player characters are like oh cool this talking frog and then like an eagle swoops down and picks him up and just flies off like well i guess that's nature no no they'll they'll recognize they'll recognize this feather and uh, and you know kind of know that it uh, it grants him these privileges that's awesome i was gonna say do you already have a backstory in mind as to how jasper came to be like it's not every day that you meet a talking frog especially in D D. like you can meet beholders you can meet dragons you can meet you know mushroom people but like a talking frog like whoa buddy <laughs> yeah i feel like it could be you know a wizard did it uh it could be a druid drank the wrong potion and turned himself into a frog but jasper doesn't remember being anything but a frog that talks right like he doesn't remember like being elevated from being a non-talking frog or being a human that was transformed he just he just remembers being a frog and having the strong sense that what he ought to do is uh live out the knightly ethos and, uh, you know, bring comfort to the afflicted. So we definitely leave a little bit of uh, plausible deniability in your game. Uh, so if you have ulterior motives for Jasper's origin story, then you can easily plug those in. And uh, yeah, the long lost uh, relative of one of your player characters could really be revealed to be Jasper or something. Like oh, that. totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I, I, leave, I leave that very open to your interpretation. Awesome. And uh, when player characters meet Jasper, 
what's going to be a particular quest Jasper would be willing to recruit or hire player characters to go and do on his behalf. Yeah, he would want to accompany them, but he might admit that, you know, having, you know, slightly larger allies would be of assistance with this. I think Jasper has had these dreams of a beauteous frog maiden who is held captive in a, you know, a terrible ancient tall tower. Uh, and okay. so the quest is, you know, go to the ancient tall tower, ascend to the top and find the beauteous frog maiden that he believes is there. Okay. Very interesting. So kind of a, I was going to say, I'm drawing on a traditional fairy tale here. So it sounds like a little bit like a sleeping beauty, uh, a kind of a or twist Rapunzel. on Rapunzel. Yeah. But they're all frogs. The frog prince. And uh, one might even argue the classic fairy tale of Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Jasper recruits the player characters to go along on this adventure to find the Forbidden Tower, ascend it, uh, fight whatever evil's inside, and rescue the frog princess. Uh, what is going to be the reward in succeeding in this quest? Great question. Um, I feel like if you know the PCs can truly uh, lend aid and help Jasper you know, find this beauteous maiden of his dreams, he would be... Uh, willing to part with his uh, uh, precious uh, feather from his cap, uh, and then that becomes something that the you know PCs could wear, possibly more as like a lapel pin or whatever, right? But uh, mm -hmm. that would then convey the same privileges when it comes to you know wild birds uh, that uh, uh, that Jasper uh, previously possessed. I'm wondering in that circumstance, you know, wearing it as a lapel or you know putting it in their own cap or something like that. Does that mean? Uh, you know, building it up, obviously, for the size of medium-sized creatures. Does that mean that, like, large, huge, gargantuan type of bird creatures are maybe going to leave the player characters alone? Or in a oft-internet argument debate about the eagles uh, in uh, The Lord of the Rings, perhaps this would be your in-game universe explanation as to how you could summon the eagles in the first place to uh, come and help you, when otherwise they wouldn't be bothered. So it was very funny because, of course, we began speaking about Back Again from the Broken Land, which is very much a you know, game about uh, hobbit-like creatures that don't get to ride eagles back home but have to take the <laughs> long road. Um, yeah, I could. I think it's plausible that if you uh, if you won Jasper's feather, uh, you would be able to to parley with uh, with great birds. You know, you might not you might not get to you know just like demand that they fly you places, but it's more like having a sort of diplomatic in with them such that you can start that negotiation. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty good. Because otherwise I could say maybe it's like a one, otherwise it's like a one-time favor. If you're like, we're going to summon the great rock of the North. Hmm. And then ever, and then you, what? Like <laughs> the other villagers blink, blink, you're going to do what? And then all of a sudden this giant rock lands and like, okay, we're going to go to the, we're going to go fight the bad guy now. See y'all later. And then whoosh, a giant rock flies off or something. You know, I, I think it's it's like any sort of, you know, little kind of token of of regard from a group. It's the sort of thing where if you uh if you're like clearly sort of abusing it, they'll they'll stop, you know, feeling they need to respect it as much, right? But if you're just, you sure. know, use if you're using it in a way that, you know, uh, conveys uh respect for the group involved and like, you know, some degree of, you know, uh, kind of hu humble gratitude for the gift, then you might be able to to use it, you know, multiple times, right? But yeah, I agree. If you're just gonna like, you know, flash your feather and like demand the biggest bird come and, and fly you places, then you it might not be as easy to uh to to cash it in again later. But 
you know, sure. uh, if you uh, if you treat the birds with respect, then perhaps the birds will will uh, do you the same favor in return. Right. You got to be like Gandalf. You got to whisper to the moth, and then the moth will take your message uh, to the birds, and then you'll get rescued from on top of Saruman's tower. Precisely. But now we have to consider the consequence because we can't assume that every group of adventurers is necessarily going to be lawful or good. But what's going to be the consequence of failure or refusing the call to the adventure put forward by Jasper? Oh, man. The, the, the consequence of refusing the call. I think that's, a, uh, that's an interesting question. Um, first thing that comes to mind is that the, uh, the the poor frog maiden in the tower is being used in some sort of ritual by, you know, kind of wicked magic users in this tower, right? And then, so then maybe, you know, if the party simply ignores this quest and, you know, goes along their merry way at some point, they hear, they hear rumors of a terrible frog monster, uh, you know. A frog hemoth, maybe? Y- yeah, absolutely. Some, some thing that has been, you know, kind of brought about through dark magic applied to this, uh, this poor frog that is now, you know, ravaging the countryside. The poor, innocent, lovely frog maiden transformed into a huge monstrosity. Uh, that is a challenge rating, looks like 10 there in 5th uh, <laughs> in edition mechanic terms. But yeah, that'd be, that'd be pretty gnarly, especially if it's kind of like a lower level sort of a play area. Like, oh, this used to be a quiet hamlet, and now all of a sudden there's a frog hemoth uh, that's terrorizing the countryside because these forces of evil and chaos uh, wanted to unleash this blight upon our otherwise pastoral uh, idyllic countryside. And because you didn't aid Jasper in his quest. So that's for maybe refusing the call, but is there a difference in perhaps failure? Like they're on the quest, but for some reason, like, I don't know, the ritual gets completed while they're on the quest, or the frog maiden uh, is caught in the crossfire and ends up losing her life or something like that by, by tragic happenstance. Oh man. Um, you know, I think in, in that case, you probably have, uh, you probably have a, you know, a heartbroken Jasper and, you know, whatever kind of forces of wickedness were masterminding this are scattered, you know, seeking, seeking out another, you know, appropriately mystically blessed frog to, uh, to begin their work again. So, um, you know, certainly that you could, even if you, if you, if you're not totally successful, uh, the, um, taking on the quest might at least delay the uh, the consequences, but not uh, not necessarily forever. And then uh, here in my list, I do have some optional questions. If you feel like you need to round out Jasper a little further, otherwise we could head into a random encounter. Let's see. You know, I think, I think I've covered some of these, right? That, uh, you know, his goals and motivations are very much about, you know, seeking to be this gallant knight of the road, right? This wanderer righting wrongs. Um, and that, that affects his general personality because he, uh, he has this, you know, need to, uh, to prove himself, you know, uh, and also to not seem like he needs to prove himself, right? But to just, you know, seem like totally confident, even while interacting with much larger creatures. I think he rarely acknowledges, you know, that he is a small frog, right? So he's he's a little reluctant to even say that's like, you know, why he needs the help of uh, larger adventurers for this quest. Uh, mm. But but on some level he knows it, uh, and so he tries to, you know, uh, he's not he's not completely, you know, ignorant. He's just uh, uh, he's just very devoted, right? Very committed to the life he's he's chosen. Well, now that we've learned more about our, this term I like, Arthurian amphibian, 
I think it's time we head into a random encounter. This random encounter of the podcast is brought to you by Reaper Miniatures. They have been Texas titans of the tabletop industry since 1994, and they are right here in my backyard. It's so amazing, along with their warehouse and game store. Uh, They make everything from paints to gaming accessories, and they stream on Twitch and YouTube with tutorials and interviews. Whatever system you're running, whatever game you're playing, Reaper Miniatures has got you covered. Every time you shop with them, and spend at least $40 on your purchase, they're going to toss in a cool new free miniature of the month. And it's always something new. So all the more reason to keep coming back to their stores. If you visit my website, sidekicksandsidequest.com, you can find a link for this sponsorship and use my referral code link uh, when you go to shop. Uh, and in this way, you're supporting Sidekicks and Sidequests uh, and getting some savings by clicking this link, uh, on my website, it's helping to track the traffic, uh, that gets directed towards Reaper miniatures. And so that's how that affiliate relationship continues to grow and our powers combine. Uh, and I know at this point I've received a couple of gift cards from Reaper miniatures. So I do have to say thank you to everyone who has gone to that, uh, link through my website to check them out. I super appreciate it. So again, go to the link on my website, check it out, and use my link uh, to go uh, check out Reaper Miniatures, all their wares and whatnot. And be sure to follow Reaper Miniatures on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, and YouTube. All right. So with the random encounter section of the show, we like to do a role play. We like to do a vignette. We like to breathe and give life to our NPCs that are made on the show. So it goes without saying, I think Alexi is going to do a fabulous job portraying Jasper, the knight errant. But now the question becomes, who am I in the scene? Am I one of my adventurer characters that's been uh, created on the podcast just for this reason? Or do you have a different sort of idea of perhaps who uh, Jasper should be meeting? Oh, I think definitely an adventurer. Okay. So the three adventurers that we have available, uh, and we are open to, of course, inventing a new one if need be, um, we have Duncan, the suicidally brave, happy-go-lucky, chaotic good, adventurer for hire. We have Sonia, the warrior woman, stoic, tough, no-nonsense, gets the job done. And then we have Korak, who's this uh, lawful, evil, arcane, trickster, roguish dwarf. Um, I, I suspect Jasper plays best off of, uh, off of Sonia, the, the stoic warrior woman. Oh, okay. Interesting. Okay. So where we last left our hero, Sonia, the warrior woman, she was accompanying Axios, the revenant priest, on the way towards Skinknose, the Lich Beekeeper's Tower. And after spending some time uh, with this priest and learning more about the ways of religion and uh, walking the narrow yet holy path, some considerable time has passed, uh, since it does take quite an awful long time to get to Skink Knows the Lich's Tower. She was able to work alongside Axios, and she formerly now has some levels in Paladin. So she's like this barbarian paladin sort of a mixture now. So after leaving Skink Knows the Lich's Tower, uh, him now having been redeemed, made whole, turned away from his lichdom ways and now at peace uh, axios uh, departing to continue on his quest to 
to find more undead souls to bring peace to. Uh, it's not long before Sonia finds herself on the roadside uh, by an idyllic stream and pond, and she's taking some time to read some literature uh, that Axios passed on to her as she's you know, contemplating, praying for the day, and just taking a nice quiet moment to listen uh, to nature around her as she's uh, studying these religious texts. Uh, among the sounds of that na nature, uh, you hear a croaking sound, uh, and then you, you hear it again, almost like someone clearing their throat, hoping to get your attention. Uh, Sonia will break uh, from her prayers, and she'll look down, and she sees like this strangely dressed uh, frog, and she quizzically looks and says, uh, Hello there. The frog removes his hat and makes an elaborate bow. Uh, and says, Hail and well met, warrior maiden. Sonia is visibly stunned. She's never seen anything like this. She instinctively, you know, you see the barbarian flare up like she's going to smash the frog with her bare fist, but then she calms herself down. She takes a moment. She kind of does it. Be not afraid. I mean you no harm. Oh, I, uh, I'm sorry. The, uh, the, the, you got the blood pumping and the old habit started to uh, kick in. Uh, but um, you're a curious one. I am a warrior like yourself. I, I understand the uh, hair trigger reflexes that are necessary in this line of work, this, this walk we walk, this righteous path to combat evil and bring light and hope to the peoples of this land. Uh, you see she's visibly smiling. This is probably something she hasn't done in her old life uh, when she was just all serious business. Um, you actually see, like, she feels like this is somehow like an answered prayer uh, mm. in a way, this kind of, this moment, this experience. Uh, and so she'll say, well, my little warrior, what is it that you need aid of me for? Oh, I am seeking companions. I'm seeking companions on a quest, a quest of dreams. For I have been guided, guided by visions crepuscular visions that draw me towards my destiny and the salvation of a poor and pitiful yet beauteous and <sighs> swoon-worthy frog maiden trapped in a dark and loathsome tower. Uh, and he will kind of hop animatedly around as he begins to explain this quest. She's chuckling, uh, but uh, you know, she's chuckling in that mirthful way of like, she's just delighted to hear this story and to hear his enthusiasm behind it. And uh, she will, uh, you know, extend a hand down to allow him to hop into it if he so wishes. So perhaps she can bring him a little closer to her face uh, and she'll say, all right, well, if you happen to know the way, uh, I've got some skills, I've got some talents in this department and, uh, Perhaps we can uh, rescue a maiden. The way is tortuous, I am afraid. But if you are truly a brave soul willing to walk with me, then we will thread this path together and bring about right. She, you know, she steals her gaze. She looks at him and uh, she'll say, you know, she'll give like a little happy nod. She will say, uh, well, uh, my name is Sonia. How might I call you? Those who know me call me Jasper. 
knight errant and deliverer of the oppressed. <laughs> All right, Sir Jasper, I will place you upon my shoulder for our, I walk much faster and uh, you can go ahead and lead me on the way. Then onward ho, right? And he will, uh, he will like, you know, draw his little rapier to, uh, to point uh, in uh, the direction he believes the perilous tower to be in. And scene. <laughs> well, that was fun. I'm glad. I, the, 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 the note as far as Sonya kind of being a, uh, now a bit of a paladin, yeah, ever since uh, that episode aired with Father Tom Bombadil ah. of the Twitters, uh, making a very cool uh, Revenant priest character. <laughs> and uh, Sonya was the one who got to interact uh, with Axios in that scene. Um, so I kind of thought, like, well, what would be the logical progression of her character? And so now barbarian paladin uh, multiclass, I guess. With a frog on her shoulder. With a frog on her shoulder and, uh, you know, the smell of adventure in the air. So awesome. Yeah. What did you think of that uh, that little role play scenario there? Oh, that was very fun. Very happy to uh, happy to get to do that. And as we're starting to get here into the final thoughts of the show, what did you think of your overall experience on the podcast today? Did you think it was going to go this way? Oh, you know, I I, I, I didn't know. Uh, I uh, had to refresh myself on uh, the premise was what we were doing together, and you know, at that point, I was like, "All right, we're gonna do we're gonna do this gallant frog," uh, and it all kind of came together nicely from there. So that was enjoyable. All right. Well, um, since we're here in the final moments, I always like to leave the stage, the microphone open for the guest. So whatever you've got to plug, I know you listed off some awesome games. And so I want to be sure to uh, let people know where to find you on social media, etc. And in what ways that they can support you and you know any causes or whatnot that you care about, etc. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can find me on social media, both at at Alexi Sargent, that's A-L-E-X-I-S-A-R-G-E-A-N-T. That's my Twitter account for you know me as a person and uh, as a writer. Uh, uh, you can also find me at Cloven Pine Games, which is my game design handle. So follow at Cloven Pine Games on Twitter and on itch.io to uh, to check out my stuff. You can find games I've created on itch.io, including a couple that are available for free. Um, you can also uh, subscribe on Substack to uh, Cloven Pine Games, where I've got a monthly newsletter talking through some games I've played, games I've run, bits of game design I've done. And, um, you know, uh, if you really are interested in checking out actual plays of uh, role-playing games, the Cloven Pine Games YouTube channel has those. So I post uh, sessions that I run online for folks uh, and you know, repost when I'm a guest somewhere like the Plus One EXP channel. Awesome. Well, Alexei, this was super awesome. I'm glad uh, that we had this time to speak and make Jasper as a character and now place him in the hands of the wider D&D tabletop community. And I can't wait to hear all of the stories of a small errant knight finding their way into the hearts and souls of uh, games around the world. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sidekicks and SideQuests. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Overcast. Or feel free to save the RSS feed to use the app of your choice. Visit our website, SidekicksAndSideQuests.com, for links, write-ups of the NPCs, and to learn more about the show and the guests who have been on it. 
To stay up to date and interact via social media, you can follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Reddit by searching for Side KQ Podcast. I would love to talk D&D and showcase your fan art stories of how you used our NPCs, discussions, and commentary. If you would like to hail the bod, send an email to sidekicksandsidequests at gmail.com. To help this show be the resource it's meant to be, I ask that you please leave a review on iTunes to help spread the word and share our show with your friends and family. Whether you're a veteran player or an aspiring dungeon master, there's something here for everyone, and I want to hear about it. Sidekicks and SideQuests is unofficial fan content permitted under the fan content policy, meaning I'm not approved or endorsed by Wizards. Portions of the materials used are property of Wizards of the Coast, copyright Wizards of the Coast, LLC. Thank you for your support, and I'll see you at the pub next time. Bar to rock on one, two, one, two, three, four! Sidekicks and sidequests.